0: Good evening, and welcome to Kel's Wonderful Life. Do you remember when you were young? Young enough that the world still held its marvels and mystery, and it seemed like every day teemed with the possibility of astonishing new adventures. As you grew older, the demands and discipline of school taught you that virtue lies in sitting up straight and paying attention, as the lessons of the day drew back the curtains of the unknown and condensed the wonder of learning into a series of dry classes seemingly designed to beat every last vestige of curiosity and enthusiasm from you. It appeared that by the time you finished high school, all life had prepared you for was for working a lousy job to earn money so you could live to work another day. It makes you wonder why we do it. really. Why do we tell our children the universe is a magical place and then put them in a boring classroom during the springtime of their lives? We're not prepared to wait until they're a little bit older when they know what they want out of life. Rather, we force them to memorize otherwise pointless trivia such as the importance of crop rotation in the 17th century. Now don't get me wrong, there's value to be had in a well-rounded education and few believe there's a real benefit in ignorance. On the contrary, when properly cultivated, a love of learning and exploring the secrets of history and science is exactly the kind of spiritually nourishing thing that sustains childlike wonder. The problem here, however, is that giving people access to spiritual nourishment is hard, and every child is unique. What works for Johnny, who's passionate about art and writing, may not work for Jimmy, who's fascinated by computers. And Nobody has any idea what to do for Jimbo who really only seems interested in carving his initials into Johnny as The number of children you have to instill wonderment in increases the task becomes seemingly unmanageable But is that really true is developing a love of learning and children an impossible task doomed to fail by the disproportion between the number of students and the number of available teachers When a class may have as many as 45 students per teacher, it certainly appears like a hopeless quest. Surely much better to give the majority of students the well-worn, leathery syllabus and hope that the bright ones absorb enough of it to get into university, where they may go on to foster whatever remains of their creative urges by the time they leave. Of course, anyone who's even passingly familiar with children will know that curiosity is a natural impulse, and it's impossible to stop a child who's hell-bent on pulling something apart to see how it works the cynic in me can't help but wonder if, on some level, it's all intentional. Whether, well-meaning or not, it may be that the teachers have decided that it's better for students to be broken early and disabused of their flights of fancy so as to better fit the corporate mold, get a job, and enter the inevitable lifetime of servitude. Perhaps our educations make us better worker citizens, docile and satisfied, somewhat unambitious and uninquisitive. Perhaps losing our thirst for magic and mystery stops us wanting the moon, the stars, and a unicorn of our own. Goals incompatible with the tie-wearing, shelf-packing, ditch-digging expectations of normative living. But is there an alternative? Could we let childish enthusiasm and curiosity run wild and free in its prime, and trust that the things we find interesting in our youth will one day ready us for being responsible and productive adults? It's reasonable to be skeptical. Can we really expect unbridled and unstructured learning to produce well-adjusted, creative, and balanced engineers, artists, and doctors? Or are we more likely to see a generation with no expertise outside of Twilight, Pokemon, and Rugby? And that, of course, is the danger. Without some notion of an endpoint to education, some goal of minimum ability and conversance with the topics germane to a career, our children will be woefully unprepared to face the externalities of a modern developed economy. And so, for now at least, the teacher remains the Lord of the Classroom, lest society degenerate into Lord of the Flies. Speaking of which, there is yet light at the end of the tunnel. There is hope, simply because the children are right. The world is magical and full of amazing secrets and surprises, even to the jaded and tired eyes of bitter adults. Just the other week, it was the 4th of July holiday here in the US. I walked through the forest up the hill to watch the fireworks. After seeing the astonishing display of aerial pyrotechnics, I walked back through the darkness, and noticed little points of light swirling and dancing. I thought I must be seeing embers scattered by a fire pit further up the hill, but I was wrong. The little tiny points of light were fireflies, blinking and flashing as they flew all around me in the dark of the trail. Far away from the lights of the houses, shrouded by the shadows of the forest, the glowing swarm of lightning bugs filled me with wonder at the sight. Despite being well-known to science and anyone who spent a summer in places where the little bugs are endemic, they were new to me. For most of my life, I'd actually thought they were fictional, a flight of fancy made up to enchant children. And here I was, surrounded by a host of them on a warm summer night. No matter how old and worn I become, that image of a million fireflies gleaming in the night will hold a candle for the child I once was, wide-eyed and fascinated by the world's untold marvels. This has been Kel's wonderful life, with there's always new mysteries just waiting to be explored. Guaranteed.